0: 18. Event the rustic from having some amusements which do not often fall to his lot, and to forbid him from enjoying once a year all the fun of the fair. Chapter Xvi. The disappearance of old documents The history of England is enshrined in its ancient documents. Some of it may be read in its stone walls and earthworks. The builders of our churches stamped its story on their stones, and by the shape of arch and design of window, by porch and doorway. Tower and buttress you can read the history of the building and tell its age and the dates of its additions and alterations, inscriptions, monuments, and brasses help to fill in the details, but all would be in vain if we had no documentary evidence, no deeds and charters, registers and wills to help us to build up the history of each town and monastery, castle and manor. Even after the most careful searches in the record office and the British Museum, it is very difficult oftentimes to trace a manorial descent. You spend time and labor, eyesight and midnight oil in trying to discover missing links, and very often it is all in vain, the chain remains broken, and you cannot piece it together. Some of us whose fate it is to have to try and solve some of these genealogical problems, and spend hours over a manorial descent, are inclined to envy other writers who fill their pages current calamus and are ignorant of the joys and disappointments of research work in the making of the history of England patient research and the examination of documents are, of course, all important, in the parish chest, in the municipal charters and records, in court rolls, in the muniment rooms of guilds and city companies, of squire and noble, in the record office, pipe rolls, clothes rolls, royal letters and papers, etc. The real history of the country is contained. Masses of rolls and documents of all kinds have in these late years been arranged, printed, and indexed, enabling the historical student to avail himself of vast stores of information which were denied to the historian of an earlier age, or could only be acquired by the expenditure of immense toil. Nevertheless, we have to deplore the disappearance of large numbers of priceless manuscripts, the value of which was not recognized by their custodians, owing to the ignorance and carelessness of these keepers of historic documents vast stores have been hopelessly lost or destroyed. And had vanished with much else of the England that is vanishing. We know of a corporation that of a Bingham, in Berkshire, the oldest town in the royal county and anciently its most important which possessed an immense store of municipal archives. These manuscript books would throw light upon the history of the borough, but in their wisdom the members of the corporation decided that they should be sold for waste paper. A few gentlemen were be putted to examine the papers in order to see if anything was worth preserving. They spent a few hours on the task, which would have required months for even a cursory inspection, and much expert knowledge, which these gentlemen did not possess, and reported that there was nothing in the documents of interest or importance, and the books and papers were sold to a dealer. Happily a private gentleman purchased the waste paper, which remains in his hands, and was not destroyed, but this example only shows the insecurity of much of the material upon which local and municipal history depends court rolls. Valuable wills and deeds are often placed by noble owners and squires in the custody of their solicitors. They repose in peace and safe sort in safes or tin boxes with the name of the client printed on them. Recent legislation has made it possible to prove a title without reference to all the old deeds. Hence the contents of these boxes are regarded only as old lumber and of no value. A change is made in the office. The old family solicitor dies and the new man proceeds with the permission of his clients to burn all these musty papers, which are of immense value in tracing the history of a manor or of a family. Some years ago a leading family solicitor became bankrupt. His office was full of old family deeds and municipal archives. What happened? A fire was kindled in the garden, and for a whole fortnight it was fed with parchment deeds and rolls, many of them of immense value to the genealogist and the antiquary. It was all done very spadily and no one had a chance to interfere. This is only one instance of what we fear has taken place in many offices, the speedy disappearance of documents which can never be replaced, from the contents of the parish chests, from church wardens account books. We learn much concerning the economic history of the country, and the methods of the administration of local and parochial government. As a rule persons interested in such matters have to content themselves with the statements of the ecclesiastical law books on the subject of the repair of churches, the law of church rates, the duties of church wardens, and the constitution and power of vestries. And yet there has always existed a variety of customs and practices which have stood for ages on their prescriptive usage with many complications and minute differentiations. These old account books and minute books of the church wardens in town and country are a very large but a very perishable and rapidly perishing treasury of information on matters the very remembrance of which is passing away. Yet little care is taken of these books. An old book is finished and filled up with entries, a new book is begun. No one takes any care of the old book. It is too bulky for the little iron register safe. A farmer takes charge of it, his children tear out pages on which to make their drawings, it is torn. Mutilated, and forgotten, and the record perishes, all honor to those who have transcribed these documents with much labor and endless pains and printed them. They will have gained no money for their toil. The public do not show their gratitude to such laborious students by purchasing many copies. But the transcribers know that they have fitted another stone in the temple of knowledge, and enabled antiquaries, genealogists, economists, and historical inquirers to find material for their pursuits. The church wardens' accounts of Street Mary's, Tame, and some of the most interesting in the kingdom, are being printed in the birds, Books, and Oxon Archaeological Journal. The originals were nearly lost. Somehow they came into the possession of the Buckinghamshire Archaeological Society. The volume was lent to the late Ref. F. Lee, in whose library it remained and could not be recovered. At his death it was sold with his other books, and found its way to the Bodleian Library at Oxford. There it was transcribed by Mr. Patterson Ellis, and then went back to the Buckinghamshire Society after its many wanderings. It dates back to the 15th century, and records many curious items of pre-Reformation manners and customs. From these church wardens' accounts we learn how our forefathers raised money for the expenses of the church and of the parish, provision for the poor, mending of roads, the improvement of agriculture by the killing of sparrows, all came within the province of the vestry. As well as the care of the church and churchyard, we learn about such things as gatherings at Hogtide, May Day, All Hallow Day, Christmas, and Whitsuntide, the men stopping the women on one day and demanding money, while on the next day the women retaliated, and always gained more for the parish fund than those of the opposite sex, church ales, the holy loaf, paschal money, watching the sepulchre, the duties of clerks and clergymen, and much else besides the general principles of local self-government, which the vestrymen carried on until quite recent times. There are few books that provide greater information or more absorbing interest than these wonderful books of accounts. It is a sad pity that so many had vanished. The parish register books had suffered less than the church warden's accounts, but there has been terrible neglect and irreparable loss. Their custody has been frequently committed to ignorant parish clerks who had no idea of their utility beyond their being occasionally the means of putting a shilling into their pockets for furnishing extracts. Sometimes they were in the care of an incumbent who was forgetful, careless, or negligent, hence they were indifferently kept, and baptisms, burials, and marriages were not entered as they ought to have been. In one of my own register books an indignant parson writes in the year 1768, there does not appear any one entry of a baptism, marriage, or burial in the old register for nine successive years, viz., from the year 1732 till the year 1741, when this register commences, the fact was that the old parchment book beginning A.D. 1553 was quite full and crowded with names, and the rector never troubled to provide himself with a new one. Fortunately this sad business took place long before our present septuagenarians were born, or there would be much confusion and uncertainty with regard to old age pensions. The disastrous period of the Civil War and the Commonwealth caused great confusion and many defects in the registers. Very often the rector was turned out of his parish, the intruding minister, often an ignorant mechanic, cared not for registers. Registrars were appointed in each parish who could scarcely sign their names, much less enter a baptism. Hence we find very frequent gaps in the books from 1643 to 1660, that are poorly. Cheshire, There is a break from 1643 to 1648, upon which a sorrowful vicar remarks, this intermission happened by reason of the great war is obliterating memorials, wasting fortunes, and slaughtering persons of all sorts. The parliamentary soldiers amused themselves by tearing out the leaves in the registers for the years 1604 to the end of 1616 in the parish of Wimpole, Cambridgeshire. There is a curious note in the register of Tunstall, Count, there seems to have been a superfluity of members of the family of Popman in this parish, and the clergyman appears to have been tired of recording their names in his books, and thus resolves, 1557 Mary Popman at, and dat 15 April Mary and NB 29 January Mary Popman September 22 August 1567 from henceforward, the omit met the Popmans, fire has played havoc with parish registers, the old register of Arborfield, Berkshire, was destroyed by a fire at the rectory. Those at Cobham, Cambridgeshire, were burnt in a fire which consumed two-thirds of the town in 1676. And many others had shared the same fate. The Spaniards raided the coast of Cornwall in 1595 and burnt the church at Paul. When the registers perished in the conflagration, wanton destruction has caused the disappearance of many parish books. There was a parish clerk at Plunger in Leicestershire who combined his ecclesiastical duties with those of a grocer. He found the pages of the parish register very full for wrapping up his groceries. The episcopal registry of Ellie seems to have been plundered at some time of its treasures, as someone purchased a book entitled Registrum Cosurum Consistorialiances de Tempor Domini Tom de Rundell Episcopaliances, a large quarto, written on vellum, containing 162 double pages which was purchased as waste paper at a grocer's shop at Cambridge together with forty or fifty old books belonging to the registry of Ellie. the early registers at Christchurch, Hampshire, were destroyed by a curate's wife who had made kill holders of them, and would perhaps have consumed the whole parish archives in this homely fashion, had not the parish clerk, by a timely interference, rescued the remainder, one clergyman, being unable to transcribe certain entries which were required from his registers, cut them out and sent them by post, and an Essex clerk, not having ink and paper at hand for copying out an extract, calmly took out his pocket knife and cut out two leaves, handing them to the applicant. Sixteen leaves of another old register were cut out by the clerk, who happened to be a tailor, in order to supply himself with measures. Tradesmen seem to have found these books very full. The marriage register of Hanny, Berkshire, from 1754 to 1760 was lost but later on discovered in a grocer's shop. Deplorable has been the fate of these old books, so valuable to the genealogist. Upon the records contained there the possession of much valuable property may depend. The father of the present writer was engaged in proving his title to an estate, and required certificates of all the births, deaths, and marriages that had occurred in the family during a hundred years. All was complete save the record of one marriage. He discovered that his ancestor had eloped with a young lady and the couple had married in London at a city church. The name of the church where the wedding was said to have taken place was suggested to him, but he discovered that it had been pulled down. However, the old parish clerk was discovered, who had preserved the books, the entry was found, and all went well and the title to the estate established. How many had failed to obtain their rights and just claims through the gross neglect of the keepers or custodians of parochial documents? An old register was kept in the drawer of an old table together with rusty iron and endless rubbish, by a parish clerk who was a poor laboring man, another was said to be so old and out of date, and so difficult to read by the parson and his neighbors, that it had been tossed about the church and finally carried off by children and torn to pieces, the leaves of an old parchment register were discovered sold together as a covering for the tester of a bedstead, and the daughters of a parish clerk, who were lace makers cut up the pages of a register for a supply of parchment to make patterns for their lace manufacture. Two Leicestershire registers were rescued, one from the shop of a bookseller, the other from the corner cupboard of a blacksmith, where it had lain perishing and in herd of more than thirty years. The following extract from notes and queries tells of the sad fate of other books. On visiting the village school of Colton it was discovered that the salters of the children were covered with the leaves of the parish register, some of them were recovered and replaced in the parish chest, but many were totally obliterated and cut away. This discovery led to further investigation, which brought to a light a practice of the parish clerk and schoolmaster of the day, who to certain goodies of the village, gave the parchment leaves for Hutkins for their knitting pins. Still greater desecration has taken place. The registers of South Ottering, containing several entries of the great families of Talbot, Herbert, and Falconer, were kept in the cottage of the parish clerk who used all those preceding the eighteenth century for waste paper, and devoted not a few to the utilitarian employment of singeing a goose, that Ackled or the books were lost through having been kept in a public house for the delectation of its frequenters, but many parsons have kept their registers with consummate care. The name of the ref, John Yet, rector of Rodmarton, Gloucestershire, in 1630, should be mentioned as a worthy and careful custodian on account of his quaint directions for the preservation of his registers. He wrote in the volume, if you will have this book last, be sure to air it at the fire or in the sun three or four times a year else it will grow dankish and rot, therefore look to it, it will not be amiss when you find it dankish to wipe over the leaves with a dry woolen cloth, this place is very much subject to dankishness, therefore I say look to it, sometimes the parsons adorn their books with their poetical effusions either in Latin or English, here are two examples, the first from Cherry Hidden, Cambridgeshire, the second from return, salop, hic puritatum, his response nascat, hic decisorum funeric visxiet. no flattery here, where to be born and die of rich and poor is all the history, enough, if virtue filled the space between, Prof. by the ends of being, to have been, Bishop Canet urged his clergy to enter in their registers not only every christening, wedding, or burial, which entries have proved some of the best helps for the preserving of history, But also any notable events that may have occurred in the parish or neighborhood, such as storms and lightning, contagion and mortality, droughts, scarcity, plenty, longevity, robbery, murders, or the like casualties. If such memorable things were fairly entered, your parish registers would become chronicles of many strange occurrences that would not otherwise be known and would be of great use and service for posterity to know. The clergy have often acted upon this suggestion in the registers of Cranbrook. Count, we find a long account of the great plague that raged there in 1558, with certain moral reflections on the vice of drunkenness which abounded here, on the base characters of the persons in whose houses the plague began and ended, on the vehemence of the infection in the inns and suckling houses of the town, places of much disorder, and tells how great birth followed the plague, with much wailing and sorrow, and how the judgment of God seemed but to harden the people in their sin. The Eastwell Register contains copies of the Protestation of 1642, the Bow and Covenant of 1643, and the Solemn League and Covenant of the same year, all signed by sundry parishioners, and of the death of the last of the Plantagenets, Richard by name, a bricklayer by trade, in 1550, whom Richard III acknowledged to be his son on the eve of the Battle of Bosworth, that Street Oswald's, Durham, there is the record of the hanging and quartering in 1590 of Duke, Hill. Hog and Holy Day. The Ia Seminaries. Papists. Triggers and Rebels for their Horrible Offenses. Burials. 1687 April 17th George's V. allows Lord Duke of Buckingham. Is the illiterate description of the Duke who was assassinated by Feldman buried at Helmsley. It is impossible to mention all the gleanings from parish registers. Each parish tells its tale. Its trades. Its belief in witchcraft. Its burials of soldiers killed in war. Its stories of persecution, riot, sudden deaths, amazing virtues, and terrible sins, the edicts of the laws of England, wise and foolish, are reflected in these pages, e.g. the enforced burial in woolen; the relatives of those who desired to be buried in linen were obliged to pay fifty shillings to the informer and the same sum to the poor of the parish, the tax on marriages, births, and burials, levied by the government on the estates of gentlemen in 1693 is also recorded in such entries as the following, 1700, Mr. Thomas Cullum buried 27 December, as the said Mr. Cullum was a gentleman, there is 24 s, to be paid for his burial, the practice of heart burial is also frequently demonstrated in our books, extraordinary superstitions and strong beliefs, the use of talismans, amulets, and charms, astrological observations, the black art, scandals, barbarous punishments, weird customs that prevailed at man's most important ceremonies, his baptism, marriage and burial, the binding of apprenticeships, obsolete trades, such as that of the person who was styled Aquaviti man, or the Salt patra man, the mode of settling quarrels and disputes, duels, sports, games, brawls, the expenses of supplying a queen's household, local customs and observances all these find a place in these amazing records, in short, There is scarcely any feature of the social life of our forefathers which is not abundantly set forth in our parish registers. The loss of them would indeed be great and overwhelming. As we have said, many of them have been lost by fire and other casualties, by neglect and carelessness. The guarding of the safety of those that remain is an anxious problem. Many of us would regret to part with our registers and to allow them to leave the church or town or village wherein they have reposed so long. They are part of the story of the place. And when American ladies and gentlemen come to find traces of their ancestors, they love to see these records in the village where their forefathers lived, and to carry away with them a photograph of the church, some ivy from the tower, some flowers from the rectory garden, to preserve in their western homes as memorials of the place whence their family came. It would not be the same thing if they were to be referred to a dusty office in a distant town. Some wise people say that all registers should be sent to a London. the Record Office or the British Museum, that would be an impossibility. The officials of those institutions would tremble at the thought, and the glut of valuable books would make reference a toil that few could undertake. The real solution of the difficulty is that County Council should provide accommodation for all deeds and documents, that all registers should be transcribed, that copies should be deposited in the County Council Depository and that the original should still remain in the parish chest where they have lain for three centuries and a half. Chapter XBII Old customs that are vanishing Many writers have mourned over the decay of our ancient customs which the restlessness of modern life has effectually killed. New manners are ever pushing out the old, and the lover of antiquity may perhaps be pardoned if he prefers the more ancient modes. The death of the old social customs which added such diversity to the lives of our forefathers tends to render the countryman's life one continuous round of labour and relieved by pleasant pastime. And if innocent pleasures are not indulged in the tendency is to seek for gratification in amusements that are not innocent or wholesome, the causes of the decline and fall of many old customs are not far to seek. Agricultural depression has killed many, the deserted farmsteads no longer echo with the sounds of rural revelry, the cheerful log fires no longer glow in the farmer's kitchen, the harvest home song has died away, and, largesse, yes, no longer rewards the mummers and the Morris dancers. Moreover, the laborer himself has changed, he has lost his simplicity, his lot is far better than it was half a century ago, and he no longer takes pleasure in the simple joys that delighted his ancestors in days of yore. Railways and cheap excursions have made him despise the old games and pastimes which once pleased his enlightened soul. The old laborer is dead. And his successor is a very up-to-date person. Who reads the newspapers and has his ideas upon politics and social questions that would have startled his less cultivated sire. The modern system of elementary education also has much to do with the decay of old customs. Still we have some left. We can only here record a few that survive. Some years ago I wrote a volume on the subject, and searched diligently to find existing customs in the remote corners of Old England. My book proved full to Sir Benjamin Stone, MP the expert photographer of the House of Commons, who went about with his camera to many of the places indicated, and by his art produced permanent presentments of the scenes which I had tried to describe. He was only just in time, as doubtless many of these customs will soon pass away. It Island however. Surprising to find how much has been left, how tenaciously the English race clings to that which habit and usage have established, how deeply rooted they are in the affections of the people. It is really remarkable that at the present day, in spite of ages of education and social enlightenment, in spite of centuries of Christian teaching and practice, we have now amongst us many customs which owe their origin to pagan beliefs and the superstitions of our heathen forefathers and had no other raison d'etre for their existence than the wild legends of Scandinavian mythology, old English customs extant at the present time of Owen and Company, we had still our Berkshire mummers at Christmas, who come to us disguised in strange garb and begin their quaint performance with the doggerel rhymes I and King George, that noble champion bold, and with my trusty sword I won ten thousand pounds in gold, twas I that fought the fiery dragon, and brought him to the slaughter and by these means I won the king of Egypt's daughter. The book of words is printed in old English customs, by P. H. Ditchfield. Other counties had their own versions. In Staffordshire they are known as the Geysers. In Cornwall as the Dancers, In Sussex as the Tipteros. Carol singers are still with us. But often instead of the old carols they sing very badly and irreverently modern hymns. Though in Cambridgeshire you may still hear, God bless you. Merry gentlemen, and the vessel boxes a corruption of wassail are still carried round in Yorkshire, that Christmas Cornish folk eat giblet pie, and Yorkshire men enjoy fermenty, and mistletoe and the kissing bush are still hung in the hall, and in some remote parts of Cornwall children may be seen dancing round painted lighted candles placed in a box of sand, the devil's passing bell tolls on Christmas Eve from the church tower at Dewsbury, and a muffled peal bewails the slaughter of the children on Holy Innocence Day. The boar's head is still brought in triumph into the hall of Queen's College. Old women, go a gooding, or mumping on St. Thomas's Day. And, hudening, or horsehead mumming is practised at Walmer, And bull hudening prevails at Kingscote. In Gloucestershire, the ancient custom of, goodening, still obtains at Brocking, Hertz. The Hertfordshire Mercury of December 28, 1907 states that on Street Thomas's day December 21 certain of the more sturdy widows of the village went round Goodning, and collected L. 414 S. 60, which was equally divided among the 18 needy widows of the parish. In 1899 the oldest dame who took part in the ceremony was aged 93, while in 1904 a widow good, for the 30th year in succession, in the Hertz and Kames reporter for December 23, 1904. Is an account of Gooding Day at Ganling Day. It appears that in 1665 some houses for aged women widows were built there by Sir John Jacob, Knight. On Wednesday, last street, Thomas's Day, says this journal, an interesting ceremony was to be seen. The old women were gathered at the central doorway, preparatory to a pilgrimage to collect alms at the houses of the leading inhabitants. This old custom, which has been observed for nearly 300 years, it is safe to say will not fall into desuetude, for it usually results in each poor widow realizing a gold coin. In the north of England first footing on New Year's Eve is common, and a dark complexion person is esteemed as a herald of good fortune. Wassailing exists in Lancashire, and the apple wassailing has not quite died out on twelfth night. Plough Monday is still observed in Cambridgeshire, and the plough bullocks drag around the parishes their ploughs and perform a weird play. The hazy hit is still thrown at that place in Lincolnshire on the Feast of the Epiphany, and valentines are not quite forgotten by rural lovers. Shroftide is associated with pancakes. The pancake bell is still rung in many places, and for some occult reason it is the season for some wild football games in the streets and lanes of several towns and villages. At Street Hives on the Monday there is a grand hurling match, which resembles a rugby football contest without the kicking of the ball, which is about the size of a cricket ball. Made of cork or lightwood, that Ashborn on Shrove Tuesday thousands join in the game, the origin of which is lost in the mists of antiquity. As the old church clock strikes to a little speech is made, the national anthem sung, and then some popular devotee of the game is hoisted on the shoulders of excited players and throws up the ball. She is the cry, and then the wild contest begins, which lasts off until nightfall. Several efforts have been made to stop the game and even the judge of the court of Queen's bench had to decide whether it was legal to play the game in the streets. In spite of some opposition it still flourishes, and is likely to do so for many a long year. Sedgefield, Chesterle Street, Elmick, Dorking also had their famous football fights, which differ much from an ordinary league match. In the latter thousands look on while 22 men show their skill. In these old games all who wish take part in them. All are keen champions and know nothing of professionalism. Ecleeping, or, as it is now called, clipping churches, is another shrove tide custom. When the children join hands round the church and walk round it, it has just been revived at Painswick, in the Cotswolds, where after being performed for many hundred years it was discontinued by the late vicar. On the patron saint's day street Mary's, the children join hands in a ring round the church and circle round the building singing. It is the old Saxon custom of clipping or naming the church on the anniversary of its original dedication. symbols on Mothering Sunday still exist, reminding us of Herrick's lines, I'll to thee a symbol bring, against thou goes a mothering, so that when she blesseth thee half the blessing you give me. Palm Sunday brings some curious customs, at Roundway Hill, and at Martinsall, near Marlborough. The people bear palms, or branches of willow and hazel, and the boys play a curious game of knocking a ball with hockey sticks up the hill, and in Buckinghamshire it is called Fig Sunday, and also in Hertfordshire, Hertford, Kempton, Eddlesbrough, Dunstable are homes of the custom, nor is the practice of eating figs and fig pies unknown in Bedfordshire, Northamptonshire, Oxfordshire, Wilts, and North Wales, possibly the custom is connected with the withering of the barren fig tree, Good Friday brings hot cross buns with the well-known rhyme, skipping on that day at brightness, I expect, now extinct, Sussex boys play marbles, Guilford folk climb Street Martha's Hill, and poor widows pick up sixpences from a tomb in the churchyard of St. Bartholomew the Great, London. On the same holy day, Easter brings its pace eggs, symbols of the resurrection, and Yorkshire children roll them against one another in fields and gardens, the Bidnam cakes are distributed, and the Helene hair scramble and ball-kicking provide a rough scramble and a curious festival for Easter Monday. On street marks day the ghosts of all who will die during the year in the villages of Yorkshire pass at midnight before the waiting people, and hogtide brings its quaint diversions to the little Berkshire town of Hungerford. The diversions of May Day are too numerous to be chronicled here, and I must refer the reader to my book for a full description of the sports that usher in the spring, but we must not forget the R.E.M.